Hello, and welcome to Prehealth Particulars. I'm Mindy Calvillo, the General Advisor in the Prehealth Office here at Baylor. And I'm Coco DeMauro, Prehealth Academic Advisor in the Honors Program. We're very excited you're here. Our purpose is to help you on your journey to the health profession of your choosing. In each episode of this podcast, we will break down an element of being a pre-health student to help you be successful and make the right decisions for you. Let's dive in. In this episode, we'll be discussing the MCAT. We'll break it down by who takes the MCAT and what it is, when should you take the MCAT, what are some resources that can help you in preparing, the controversial debate, self-led studying versus taking a course, how to prepare for the MCAT at any stage, and general advice when it comes to the MCAT. Who takes the MCAT and what is it? MCAT, in addition to being a great name for a feline, is the Medical College Admission Test. This test is only required for students planning to apply to medical schools for MD and DO programs alike. Some professional programs outside of medical school will also accept the MCAT, such as PA programs but it is only required for pre-medical students. This test, much like the SAT or ACT, is an admissions assessment used as a factor in your acceptance into medical school. This test differs from the SAT and ACT in several ways outside of its purpose. The MCAT is a test that must be taken start to finish, meaning you cannot retake one section if you do not score very well. You must retake the entire test. It's important to note here the test takes seven and a half hours. Six hours and 15 minutes of that is actual testing time. The test contains four sections, chemical and physical foundations of biological systems, critical analysis and reasoning skills, known as CARS, biological and biochemical foundations of living systems, and psychological, social, and biological foundations of behavior. The test will be taken on a computer. Scores on the test range from 472 to 528, and this is based on all four sections. Each section is also scored ranging from 118 to 132. Points are only added for getting questions correct. No points are subtracted for wrong answers. One very important note to make about the MCAT is that you cannot use a calculator. When should you take the MCAT? I hate to start this with the most cliche pre-health statement of all time, but alas, here we go. It depends. I'm not going to say when you're ready, because I have yet to meet a student that has said they're ready for the MCAT. If you're planning to apply to med school during the summer after your junior year, you may take the MCAT as early as winter, so December or January of your junior year, or as late as April of your junior year. If you're going to take a gap year of any length, this gets a little bit more complicated. The important thing to know for scheduling outside of the quote-unquote traditional model is that it takes one month to receive your scores. Some things to consider when you're looking to schedule your test. One, if you think you may want to retest, do you want to test within the same application cycle or postpone one year to allow yourself more time to study? Two, will the schools you're applying to accept your application prior to having your MCAT scores? And do you want to submit your application before knowing what your score is? Most schools will let you do this. It's more of a question of do you want to? Three, on a more basic level, you should take the MCAT after you've taken the courses that are included on the MCAT. 
If you look at the pre-med planners created by the pre-health office, all the courses listed prior to and including the junior year spring semester are included on the MCAT. You want to complete or at least be halfway through all the courses listed. What are some resources that can help you to prepare? One of the biggest resources to utilize when preparing for the MCAT is your own knowledge. To make sure that you are learning material in your courses effectively, correctly, and thoroughly, be sure to utilize the following. Number one, SI sessions or supplemental instruction. Number two, tutoring. They can help you learn how to learn and how to better study. Remember, most students using the tutoring center at Baylor are trying to go from a B to an A. Tutoring is not just to help you avoid failing a class. Number three, pre-health mentors. These students may be preparing for the MCAT right now, or maybe they've already taken it. They can help you with how to study and what worked for them. Another one that I want to throw in here are your friends. Either friends that have already taken the MCAT or friends that are planning to take the MCAT around the same time as you, if not even the same day. These can be good resources for accountability. So if somebody else is also studying and preparing, you can come up with kind of a broad schedule of, okay, on Wednesdays at 5.30, we meet at the library. And then you have that accountability of you need to go meet so-and-so at the library. And if you don't show up, they're going to be mad at you. Or if you have friends that have already taken the test, maybe they can give you some advice on some additional resources or just kind of those practicalities of I need somebody that understands what I'm going through and the stressors that I have. And again, venting is very important. Having friends that are willing to just listen to you talk about it or understand what you're talking about. If you go home and start talking to your parents about preparing for the MCAT, they may not get it. They may think it's similar to the SAT or ACT, and that's just not the case. I will say, though, a caveat of studying with friends or bringing friends into this fold is that if you don't study well with others, if you're very easily distracted, don't bring friends into your process. Don't bring other people in that are just going to distract you. If you do better studying on your own, if you don't need anyone pushing you and forcing you to go to the library or that accountability piece, go forth and study. You're much stronger than me and a lot of other students. But if you know having somebody there or waiting on somebody at the library just means you're going to have your phone out the whole time, don't put yourself in that situation. So you're going to have to use a lot of judgment. You're going to have to kind of know yourself well enough to see if this is a good way to study or prepare but having that support system and that friend group, or even if it's just one person that can walk through this with you or understand where you're coming from, that's really powerful. Yes, I completely agree. Remember, if you're going to invite a friend to study with you, this is not hangout time. This is focus time. You guys can hang out later. There's nothing wrong with that. But please take it seriously. Remember that studying for the MCAT should be a review of the content and learning to apply that knowledge in the way the MCAT wants to see it. Meaning you've seen everything on the MCAT in your classes. The test is just meant to challenge you in the way you think and speak on these terms. Some useful study tools include, number one, AAMC provides practice tests, study plans, fee assistance program, and resource packages. All of these resources are free. Number two, UWorld 
They provide practice tests and study materials. Costs about $249 to $349, depending on the level and timeline of access. Number three, OnKey, spelled A-N-K-I. This is an app with pre-made flashcards. It uses spaced repetition, and it's free for Android users. Number four, Khan Academy has videos and practice questions. The Khan Academy MCAT course is available until 2026 through AAMC. Number five, Jack Weston. They have CARS passages for studying, which are updated every day. Number six, the Baylor Pre-Health website has many MCAT videos. And number seven, YouTube. Yes, seriously, YouTube, but use your judgment on these. If you're having issues with a topic, you can probably find someone else that has had that same problem and has a solution on YouTube. I do want to say, try and stay away from Reddit when it comes to the MCAT, as some of those forums are more toxic than helpful. A helpful resource for getting financial assistance through the MCAT process is through the AAMC Fee Assistance Program, which assists those who would not be able to take the exam or apply to medical schools that use the American Medical College Application Service, or AMCAS, application without financial assistance. Approved recipients receive discounted MCAT exam registration fees, all online AAMC MCAT official prep products, and complimentary access to the Medical School Admission Requirements, or MSAR, database. Standard registration is $325, but the Fee Assistance Program registration is $130. For eligibility requirements, benefits, and application deadlines, visit the Fee Assistance Program page on the AAMC website. To contact the Fee Assistance Program, email FAP at aamc.org or call 202-828-0600. Another resource is JAMP, or the Joint Admission Medical Program, which is a special program created by the Texas Legislature to support and encourage highly qualified, economically disadvantaged students pursuing a medical education. Students will typically apply for this program in the spring of their freshman year. Contact Ms. Jane Lynn in the pre-health office with any questions, as she is our JAMP faculty director. The controversial debate, self-led studying versus taking a course. You may have noticed that Coco did not mention anything about taking an MCAT course in our list of resources. The pre-health office does not endorse any MCAT courses. If you want to take an MCAT course, that is perfectly fine. My advice, though, is to do your research. All of the major companies have very different styles, and some may be beneficial to you, while others may not be that helpful. These courses cost thousands of dollars on average, so picking the correct course the first time is important not only financially, but to stay on track with your MCAT schedule. Something to keep in mind with these courses, they all cover content for the same amount of time. So they're going to cover physics and behavior sciences the same amount. If physics is your weakest subject, they're not going to spend more time on it and help you unless you get additional private tutoring, which is not only expensive, but like really, really expensive. <laughs> if behavior sciences is a strong suit, they're going to take time away from when you should be studying for physics to focus on the behavior sciences. If you're studying on your own, you can prioritize as you need to. 
You're not sticking to some curriculum created by some person for thousands of people to follow. You can think of paid courses like a personal trainer. They're not going to do anything that you couldn't do on your own. All they're doing is giving you the drive because you're paying them and because you may think that they know better than you how to prepare. I always tell students, if they're on the fence about paying for courses, try it on your own first. If you can't make yourself stay on track or if you feel like it's not going as planned, then yeah, you can absolutely justify taking a course. But the MCAT is just the beginning of these tests and certifying exams. Learning to study and have self-discipline is just part of the pre-med journey. How to prepare for the MCAT at every stage. Preparing for the MCAT does not officially start until the year you plan to take it. However, we get asked by underclassmen all the time how they can start preparing now. So we're going to break this down year by year. I recommend you listen to every section, even if you're classified differently. I would also say if you're a freshman and you're that worried about the MCAT, breathe in, breathe out, relax. You have plenty of time. This is just to give you some ideas on how to be proactive. And if you have parents that are like, well, you're not preparing for this, or you're not doing this, you can use this as a guide to show them like, yes, I am preparing. In talking to freshmen, the main thing is learn to study. Learn the material that's being taught in your science courses and your soft sciences. Don't cram for exams. Just learn the material. Keep the materials from your science courses is also helpful. If you make flashcards for an exam, hold on to those. You're probably going to be studying that material in the future. And this also includes keeping your textbooks. I know you might want to sell them back, but you're most likely going to need them later on, so just go ahead and keep them. And that's just for your science classes, not all your classes. Correct. General Biology 1 and 2 are tested heavily on the MCAT. These, of course, will be the basis for your biological knowledge moving forward, so doing well in Biology 1 and 2 is very important. The same goes for chemistry. Attend your SI sessions, seek out tutoring before you begin to struggle with a course, and utilize your pre-health mentor's experiences. Sophomores. Your sophomore fall and spring will be the same advice as for freshmen. The important thing to be aware of, though, is that you may be taking the MCAT your junior year. This is the traditional timeline for students to apply without a gap year. The summer after your sophomore year, you may want to begin preparing to take the MCAT. You can begin collecting materials. If you're going to be making flashcards or study guides, now is a good time to do that. You'll also want to figure out at this point if you're going to test during your junior year, and if so, when. Dates open in two different groups throughout the year. Getting familiar with this information and what dates your test will become available for registration is a very good idea. If you plan to test in April, this is a very popular time frame, and you'll want to register early in order to secure that spot. If you're going to be testing in your junior year, be sure to plan ahead when registering for your courses here at Baylor. Do not try to take too many hours or difficult courses during your MCAT semester. Juniors. This is the year that students traditionally take the MCAT. The most popular times to test are during winter break or during April. If you plan to test during these time frames, be sure to register early. Testing dates are released two times a year and are typically broken down into spring and fall dates. These two times a year are referred to as opening day. 
You can find more information about this and how to register for the MCAT at aamc.org. Average study time is three to five months. Some students will need more time, some will need less. It's important to prioritize the MCAT. I've heard of students studying for only two to six weeks because they overschedule their classes. I do not recommend this. Students are recommended to take a minimum of eight practice tests during their study time frame. Students should then review these tests and figure out what they got wrong, and figure out the correct answer, and adjust their studying based on their results. Typically, students will go through a full-out style test once a week, every week, prior to taking the MCAT. Preparing for this test and preparing to run a marathon are remarkably similar. I've had students tell me they are glad they had to run a marathon prior to going through this process because it prepared them for the lifestyle changes. When you take the practice tests, simulate the environment you'll have on the real test day. Turn off your phone. Ask your roommate not to interrupt you. Practicing for the test is not just about seeing how well you know the material, but also to practice the physical and mental endurance needed to concentrate for over seven hours straight. I do want to interject. We're not telling students that you need to go run an actual marathon in order to, to do well on the MCAT. We're just saying the preparations are the same. If you do run a marathon, that's cool. Maybe freshman, sophomore year, that's a great thing to do during those time frames. But don't be training for an actual marathon while preparing for the MCAT. That would be a bit of a mistake. Yes, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> I think the point here is that most people, if they're going to run a marathon, don't wake up and say, you know what, next week, next Friday, I'm going to run a marathon and then just go for it, run over 26 miles. Generally, they take several months to prepare. They go on shorter runs. They get their body used to the, the training, the conditioning, endurance. They, the endurance. They get the right gear, their shoes, their diet. You know, The same goes for the MCAT. You're not just going to say, you know, I think in two weeks I'm going to go ahead and take the MCAT. No, it's, it's something that you really need to put a lot of thought into to prepare for to be successful. And typically marathon runners are recreational runners. They're not like couch potatoes that are just hanging out. I don't think people that are like not physically fit just all of a sudden want to do a marathon. They're going to be doing training and conditioning for longer periods of time than just the test. So that's kind of where I see this breakdown from freshman to senior year. Because freshman year, you're kind of starting that like I'm going to go, I'm going to get into the gym. I'm going to get into physical activity. And then you can kind of start preparing for that mental endurance and that studying and being used to, okay, I do have to block out times in my schedule for studying and for preparing for this and prioritizing studying over getting pizza with your friends or sitting on the couch. Yes, yes. So definitely listen to Mindy's advice about preparing yourself as though it was a marathon. So another tip is to be very strategic with your course schedule during your MCAT semester. Take around 14 to 16 hours, maybe throw in a lifetime fitness. This is where you're going to take your general electives and, quote, easy courses, not 15 hours of sciences. If you're going to take the test in January, make your fall semester a little lighter than you usually would. If you're going to take the test in April, same thing. Be nice to yourself. 
Don't take 18 hours, force sciences, and sign up for a new research lab. We wouldn't recommend this in any semester, let alone one so important. The semester you take the MCAT will probably include physics too, and this should be your only science course if you're not a science major. Treat preparing for the MCAT like it is a three to four hour course that you're also taking and schedule it accordingly. Block out regular times in your schedule to study for it. Make it a practice to study regularly. Don't let it be an option. Treat it like it's required. I've had too many students prioritize other things and get to the four week mark right before the test and get very nervous and wonder what to do. If that's your situation, you most likely will want to reschedule or postpone the test. If you're not planning to test your junior year, you'll follow the sophomore year advice if you plan to test your senior year. If you plan to test post-undergraduate degree, keep in mind the registration timeline and the studying timeline. Seniors, if you tested as a junior, sit back, relax, and enjoy. If you're a pre-health mentor, be sure to walk your students through your experiences and provide them any advice you wish you had. If you're taking the MCAT as a senior, follow all the recommendations for juniors. If you're planning to test the summer after senior year or if you're gonna start studying during your senior year, be aware that senioritis is a very real issue. Your determination may not be as high come May. Take this into account and don't plan to take the MCAT immediately after finals. You may not be quite ready. Scheduling for later in the summer would be a better timeline if you're not planning to apply during that cycle. For everyone, regardless of when you plan to take the test, remember to utilize the AAMC resources. They have a document called MCAT Essentials that breaks down every element of test day, registration, and post-testing. MCAT test scores are valid for three years. This is helpful to remember if you're taking a gap year and do not know how long you'll be postponing applying to medical school. Also, don't test until you're close to your application year. Having a gap year backup plan is a good idea if your MCAT score ends up not being what you want it to be. Finding out in May that you're taking a gap year and having to pull together an internship or a research job is very stressful and can be relieved by having a backup plan if you're going to be testing in one of the later dates. I want to quickly comment on retaking the MCAT. When I was in high school, I retook both the ACT and SAT multiple times in order to achieve a certain score for a scholarship. It was a lot of work, but so worth it in the end. However, the MCAT is not the same as the SAT or ACT in that it is not looked on favorably to keep retaking it over and over again. We'll talk about this further in a moment, but I want to dispel any thought that you may have that, oh, it's not a big deal if I don't do well the first time. I'll just keep retaking it until I get a better score. I'm sorry to say, but you need to take the MCAT seriously and try your best the first time. If you need to take it again later on, that's an option, but please do not think that you can simply take it over and over. Doing so may raise a red flag to medical schools, plus they can see your scores from each test attempt. I would say if you take it twice, that's not going to derail you from medical school by any means. Any more than two, though, that's whenever we get into that shaky ground and the time between taking the test. So if you take it once, you don't do well, you give yourself a year 
go work, study, focus more on it, give it more priority in your life. But if you what what Coco's saying is you're not taking it three times in one year and then three times again the next year and just habitually taking this test and not doing any better, not getting to where you need to be or getting a score and applying with it. So what we are really trying to get across is one or two times is fine, but you're not going to have unlimited chances to take this test. If we take time, effort, and money out of it completely, it's just not practical to just, well, I'm just gonna take it again as being your plan. General advice when it comes to the MCAT. Figure out your timeline early. Your timeline may not look like everyone else's, and that's okay. Being flexible with your timeline is important as well. Having a plan A through D is not a bad idea. Use the AAMC website. There are a ton of resources and good information that can be found at aamc.org. If you feel lost on where to start or what to do when it comes to the MCAT, come talk to us. If you're going through the committee, there is an MCAT workshop that's led by Ms. Lynn. You'll get information about that as you go through the process. If you've made it this far into this dense episode, I'm going to reward you with some score stats. We're recording this in late July of 2022 for reference. So currently, we recommend that students make about a 512 minimum with a minimum score of 125 on each section of the MCAT. I'll also mention the MSAR here. We're hopefully going to do a whole episode on MSAR. It's a resource within AAMC. Coco mentioned it earlier. Medical schools list their average MCAT and GPA stats of their newest incoming classes here. The Pre-Health Office has access to this resource. You can also access it yourself if you have an AAMC login. You may find using this resource gives you a better idea of what MCAT range is more realistic for the schools you're applying to. For instance, some schools have an average MCAT score of a 520. As I was talking about earlier, the limit on the number of times you can take the MCAT. There is a limit. You can take it seven times in your lifetime, and it's limited to three attempts per year. Know that medical schools will be very alarmed by a student testing twice in the same year and doing worse or not showing any improvement on a test. Something else to mention is that in some standardized tests like the SAT or the GRE, you can create composite scores. So you can take your car section from one test and your psychology section from another test. That's not the case with the MCAT. So you have to set for the whole session every single time because that test is just one piece. It can't be broken up in any way. So you can't just take your car section again. You can't just use your car score to send to schools. So it's all one piece, start to finish, for taking it and submitting it. Some study tips for the MCAT. The MCAT is a special beast. Seven and a half hours of test would be intimidating to anyone. Remember the marathon running mentality can be helpful. Start changing your lifestyle before the week of the test. The MCAT typically begins at 8 a.m. You'll wanna get there with plenty of time to get settled without being stressed. So waking up early needs to become the norm for you, especially if you're practicing once a week for this day anyway. Being awake at 6.30 should be second nature by test day. If your alarm doesn't go off, your body will wake you up automatically. You want that kind of schedule. Practice test days should be treated like the test day. 
from start to finish. Your level of detail is completely up to you. We've had students that went all in and ate the same foods, wore the same clothes, and even drank the same amount of water and caffeine just to make sure that they didn't have any surprises on the day of the test. Another study tip for you is to go over your practice tests and figure out why you get every answer wrong and what the correct answer is. There is no worse feeling than looking at a test question and knowing that you don't know the answer and that you could know exactly how to answer this question. You could have recognized this answer 100%, but instead you can only eliminate one answer for a 75% chance of the right answer. I want to thank you for joining us and listening to all our information. I know this was a very dense and possibly overwhelming episode. Please remember to take a breath. You have time to prepare and be ready when the time comes. This episode is to give you the knowledge ahead of time so you can have a proactive approach. We're here to help you and there are so many resources for you on campus in addition to our offices. Please know you're not alone and stay tuned for more episodes. In the meantime, feel free to go to baylor.edu slash prehealth for more information. We look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.